Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Corey Allen, and I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Pam. Hey, always happy to be here. <laughs> Each and every week, uh, we're going to frame conversations that help heat up things in your life and in your bedroom uh, and in your relationship. And today we're talking about uh, the heat of communications and conversations and triggers. And uh, it's a fun one. He today. can go heat can be a descriptive word in a couple different ways. Can it, it? It, okay. it can have a positive and a negative connotation, yeah. can it? Uh, but what we want to have uh, with the conversation with you as the nation is your voice on the show. Uh, 214-702-9565 is how you can email us. <laughs> yeah, that would be a voicemail line, not an email line that I'm talking about here. But you can well call, leave, leave a message about something we maybe missed or something you want to add. We've got several in the queue uh, for in next week with uh, some feedback we've got over some recent episodes Perfect. that we'll dive into a little bit deeper. Um, we also love your uh, feedback that comes via email, and that's feedback at com. And if you're new to the show, check out the starter packs. These are collections of the episodes uh, organized by topic and favorites. And it's an easy way to get a feel for what's going on here. You go to smr.fm slash starter. And then also, uh, we've been talking about this recently, but uh, the deadline gets closer and closer for the early bird rate going away for the Sexy Marriage Radio getaway. Mm-hmm. June 13th through the 15th here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, kind of want to register because it's filling up and you want a spot because the getaway is a fantastic way to spend three and a half days with your mate and it really is a getaway. It's it's relaxing. It's fabulous information. Um, good venue. So it come. It, it's going to be fun. I I love meeting people that are listeners and um and enjoy conversations and and getting to know folks. So I'm looking forward. Yeah, to that. You, you, we want you to make it here because it's a fantastic time. Yeah. Um, it's all geared towards you and your spouse, and the information that we talk about is applicable. And transferable as you continue forward, uh, trying to go deeper into your relationship and into your sex life and into life. Yeah, some of the resources and tools are just game changers. Right. And I've got some new things we're even doing this time. I've never done before at a getaway. So if you've come in the past, come back because there'll be new things for sure Mm -hmm. going on. So smr.fm slash getaway is where you can save your spot. And we'll see you in June. So coming up today on the regular free version, I got the opportunity to interview and have on Dr. Lori Watson, who's mm-hmm. been on before mm-hmm. in the past, that she's uh, one of the co-hosts of Foreplay Couples and Sex Therapy podcast. I also was just recently on her ep- her show. So we're doing a little uh, just cross-promoting, cross-swapping, if you Wonderful. will, of, of hosting and guesting Wonderful. <laughs> with each other's shows. Um, and we dive into... Um, the world of conversation and triggers and defensiveness and how uh, these cycles play out so easily yeah. in our relationships. Yeah, I appreciate the scenarios that you guys line up. Right. That, okay, this is real life. I can I can see where this is coming from um, and highlighting how those triggers, I, I mean, we all have them, right? We think <laughs> yes, we've dealt we with something, something triggers this, and five years after something, it pops up. So I appreciate the way that you guys approach it. Right. And then she is, she likes to get really practical 
it with some scenarios and, and how we talk through things. Then on the extended content, which is deeper, longer, and there is no ads, you can subscribe at smr.fm slash academy. Uh, we continue on with some more of the examples in our, of an interaction uh, and the reactions, but we also talk about the importance of creating space for communication and for understanding and for emotion and empathy and all that it takes place because it seems like what happens in relationships so easily is our emotions take up all the space, but one of the things we need to learn how to do is to actually create space for each other better. Mm -hmm. So all that's coming up right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We've said this before and we'll continue to shout it to all who listen. We would not be where we are as a married couple and as people without the help of therapy in our life. Yeah, we had some really good therapist, uh, a really good therapist early on in our marriage. I still refer people to him. Mm -hmm. He was amazing. And there's a common mis misconception of relationships out there that they have to be easy to be right. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> relationships are not easy. And so sometimes the best ones happen when we put people, when we have people in our lives to help make it great. Mm -hmm. And this is where therapy comes into play. It helps us work through the challenges that all of us face in every relationship, whether it be friends, work, significant other, or anyone. Uh, I know I've started a journey of just dealing with life so much better when I reached out for help mm -hmm. and you did too. Our kids have as well. Well, you're a therapist and you're promoting other therapists. I mean, come on. If that says something, I mean, come on. This is one therapist uh, promoting other therapists because we want you to just deal with life so much better. And, and find your good fit, right? And, yeah. And that's where help comes in and better help is a great way, great place to give it a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. You fill out a quick questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist if it's not a good fit at any time with no additional charge. So visit betterhelp.com slash SMR, and you get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash SMR. Well, Lori, how you been? Good to see you again. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you after quite some time. It has been far too long, and so it's worth getting uh, connected again because uh, we are both have the, a very, very similar goal. We might come at it slightly different, but I love yep. the idea of being able to see things through multiple lenses. Me too. Me too. And it, I think, uh, you know, we're speaking kind of the same values and the same language to a very similar group of people, uh, mm -hmm. mostly married people who, you know, want to have sex with one person overall. So, yep. It's a good thing. So what, what I've noticed, Lori, is um, there's a lot of times when people come in, like they find us and I'm going to be willing, they bet, to bet they find you. And the reason they found you isn't actually the answer they, the, the answer they find isn't what they were thinking it was going to be. True. Right. Because True. I often have people that will, that will come in and they'll say, man, I, I found you because I needed you to fix my spouse. Right. I needed, <laughs> you, I needed uh, the key to figure out how to crack that code. Yep. And lo and yeah. behold, uh, that's not what they found. And so I'm guessing that's kind of the same yeah, thing for you guys. So true. So true. And I do want to fix their spouse for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the issue is 
oftentimes, you know, all of us at certain times in our marriages, we can see so clearly what our partner is doing. You know, we can see, you know, their flaws. We can see the things that drive us crazy. And we kind of think to ourselves, right, if, if we can just get them some help or if we can just get them to see our perspective or if we can just get them to stop doing that crazy thing, you know, then everything is going to be happy. Oh, of of course. If we could just get them to see (laughs) that they need help. I mean, that's that's such an interesting (laughs) framework that we often bring into life and marriage, isn't it? That is so true. And, you know, I, I work from a cycle perspective. So what, what I see is, um, in marriage, most of the time, like the way our partner drives us crazy and they do drive us crazy. Absolutely. Um, kind of triggers in us a defensive mechanism, you know, our, our survival mechanism and that survival mechanism that we act out on triggers their defensive mechanism and it becomes a looping cycle. So absolutely, for instance, um, you know, my husband more of a withdrawer, you know, so when he's preoccupied or, um, you know, just not as responsive as I need, there's like these little alarm bells that go off in my heart and I'm like, okay, what's wrong? And because of the way I was raised, because of where I come from, because of my own attachment style, these bells and whistles in me say, maybe there's something wrong with us. So what do I do? I tap, tap, tap in, you know, hey, is everything okay? What's going on with you? Well, you know, if he's preoccupied about work, he'll be like, fine, I'm fine. You know, but that short answer, does that soothe me, Corey? <laughs> it's not, that's not what you're looking for. On, no, oh, okay, that I'll is, believe what you're saying to me here. Absolutely. That is not what I'm looking for. And so instead, the anxiety in me raises a little bit more. And then, you know, what can happen over time is maybe his shorter answers, he kind of withdraws a little bit more. Maybe it's really not about us, but he's just lost in his own world. But what gets triggered in me is, oh my God, I can't reach him. Oh my God, I'm going to be abandoned. You know, I mean, it's primitive stuff and I have no control over what comes up in me when that happens. And none of us do. We all have sort of primitive reactions that we don't have control over that, that piece. We do have control in this system, but not there. Like just the way our emotions start playing out, it's like, oh my gosh, he's going to be abandoning me. And then I start maybe being critical. Like, hey, you know what? You you don't come home very much and like engage with me and talk with me. And I, I don't really like that. You know, and so my criticism, how does that land on him? Probably. You know, he starts to go, man, I just can't make this girl happy, right? I can't. And he starts to feel like I'm failing. And so does that inspire him to come home and want to talk to me more? (laughs) No. Right. The feedback loop starts just feedback in a whole lot of really negative ways. That's right. And so he, you know, instead of wanting to engage more with me, he, he tells himself, right, I'm, I'm not... I'm not making her happy. I need to close down a little bit more. So he closes down a little bit more and that sends me into alert. Maybe I get angry the next time. You know, you you never talk to me. And of course, then, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is too much. She's coming at me. His defense system says, you know, I need to, you know, 
I, I need to go away. You know, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And so for right. him, it's like flight. That's right. typically for my husband who is sweet, you know, but his is like, I got to get away from this. And so maybe he, you know, goes into the garage, starts to putty around just, just to get away from this intensity. He's thinking, if I get away, things mm-hmm. will calm down. Mm-hmm. When things are calm, we can talk rationally about the problems, Right. But what does his going away do to me? You know, it escalates me even even further. Right. And so this is the loop, right? One of us pursues, pushes, and it kind of seems like the person who's pursuing is looking for connection. And that is true. There, There are needs underneath that. And it looks like the person who's withdrawing is not looking for connection, but that's not actually true either. It's like they do want connection, but they get sort of flustered by intensity. And so they, you know, they shut down. And so, so they both need connection. The person who is pursuing actually has kind of this, um, this part inside that gets preoccupied with the relationship. So even when you have good times, if you're more preoccupied, you're more of a pursuer, the good times don't fill your bucket. They don't satisfy you and they don't feel like, okay, great. We had dinner last night and it was really wonderful. And I know my partner loves me. It's like, well, when's the next dinner? Now think about this, Corey, when it's also the sexual cycle. There's an emotional cycle in couples and there's a sexual cycle. And many times in heterosexual couples, it's reversed, right? The male is more preoccupied sexually. He, he mm-hmm. more initiates and pushes for sex and she maybe shuts down. You know, she's like, Oh, you know, I'm, I got so many things to do or I'm not really clean or, you know, there can be a million reasons that she, she doesn't feel ready for the moment. Whereas he's got a body pulsing with testosterone. He's ready on a dime it's going to take her 45 minutes to get aroused and have an orgasm. And it's like, I don't have time for that. And so she does the same sort of thing. She shuts down. You're always, you know, asking for sex, you know, can't you see that I'm busy or whatever, but she kind of withdraws there. Mm -hmm. And he starts to feel preoccupied thinking about sex a lot. Like when is the next time I got to ask six times just to get up to bat or, you know, I'm never going to get it. Right. And so they can reverse the cycle over their emotional needs and their sexual needs. Does this sound familiar to you for the people oh, who come in and see you? Absolutely. And even my own life, uh, because there's the element of how quickly we personalize things that aren't necessarily personal because they're about the other person. And instead, right. what actually is really happening is just impacting me. But there's no real intent or cruelty underneath it, if you will. It's more, right. you know, he was just preoccupied with work. And that's yeah. why you read him as he's distant and he's distracted. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, because he's preoccupied with work. And yeah. and that's part of what happens. I am curious, though, Lori, when you make the comment of these are things that just happen to us. Yes. Right. And so Unpack that a little bit because okay. I I've, I know I think I know where you're coming from, but some of the okay. audience might would sure. really benefit from what is what is this? What do you mean when you say it this way? So when we get triggered by a particular event, we have kind of something that happens in our body, in our hearts, and we tell ourselves something. This is emotional right. intelligence, right? So right. my 
you know, when my husband has that look where he doesn't maybe meet eye contact and he just goes upstairs, it can, you know, I mean, maybe not just that, right? It could be something else that's a little harder for me to handle, but it will hit my body kind of in the same way. You know, my gut starts to feel anxious. This is my survival mechanism kicking in because our survival depends on human bonding, connection with another, attachment. And so this is, even though intellectually I know that my husband's just preoccupied, my body doesn't know that. My body still is sort of, and my my brain can still be in childhood sorts of patterns where when my parent doesn't attend to me, I get really anxious. My needs will not be met. And Mm -hmm. now I go into survival mechanisms, Mm -hmm. you know, and defense mechanisms that are, you know, a protest. So, so those pieces are still kind of present in my body. And it isn't until we do tons and tons of work that we can manage those so that we're not reactive to them. But I, I honestly think, and I, I think people who come from secure backgrounds, right, Corey, securely attached people, which I've only met two of them, but there's actually supposedly 60% of the population is securely attached. And what that means is you grew up in a household where there was love and affection. Your parents were pretty stable people. Mm -hmm. Um, Economically, you weren't worried where the next meal was coming or the shelter over your head. And, you know, the way the rules were and the boundaries that were set were pretty decently ordered. You know, it wasn't crazy. It's like, you know, just because you forgot to do the dishes that night didn't mean that you're grounded for a week. You know, the, you know, w- when when there were consequences imposed, they made sense. Right, and they right. were they were imposed to help you grow into a sturdier, more responsible person. So that's a right. secure background. And people who have securely attached backgrounds, Corey, actually just kind of naturally have more happy marriages. And, and the you, reason is... I think that's because, um, because here's what comes to my mind with this conversation thus far, Lori, is mm. um, I believe it's a, a quote from Viktor Frankl that's the idea that between uh, a trigger and a reaction, there's a space. Right. And what you're describing is you're operating and developing and maturing and expanding that space is the goal. That's right. That's right. That that's what we have to do, especially I think when you come from a secure background, you kind of have that space. When your partner comes in is preoccupied, you, you tell yourself, oh, they're probably preoccupied with work. I'm so, you know, we'll catch up at dinner. And it doesn't trigger that intense body experience of, oh, my God, he's preoccupied. I'm going to be abandoned. We, we come from security. We understand security. And so our reactivity is very low. And that's why people who come from secure backgrounds have happier marriages because they're just not as reactive. Okay. They're, they're comfortable with intimacy. They don't feel like, oh, my partner wants to know too much about me and that makes me feel claustrophobic. Right. They're, you know, they're also comfortable with independence. It's like, you know, they celebrate and champion their partner's journey in life. They're separate endeavors and they're glad to do it. And sexually, this is this is the best thing. When we come from affectionate, appropriately affectionate backgrounds, our touch needs were met in childhood. Right. So it's it's okay to need. It's okay to have needs for physical touch. And then when we hit puberty, 
and those needs become eroticized, that's natural. We understand that. It's like, you know, insecure families, our, our sexual coming of age is kind of celebrated. It's like, you know, you start your period and your parents go, hey, let's go out to dinner. You've become a woman, you mm-hmm. know, and there's like this joy or, you know, you're, you know, as a young man, you're counseled appropriately about like, look at your, you're really developing. You've got those muscles, you know, look at what testosterone is doing. You know, you're, you're becoming a young man and this is so great. And that drive you feel in your body is a wonderful thing. It's going to bring you a lot of joy. And those messages that we get in secure families, like basically give us the basis for a secure sexual relationship. But when we come, when we grow up in different kinds of families, like maybe an avoidant, you know, when we have an anxious attachment, we grew up in families where it's kind of help and care is kind of intermittent. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know if it's going to be there or not. And sometimes our parents are a little too invasive. Instead of letting us build those blocks or climb that jungle gym, they get in the way, wait, 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 be careful, be careful. So when we're just when we're appropriately developmentally trying to do our own thing, they interfere. And then when we have needs, they're not available. And that creates an anxious attachment. And an avoidantly attached means basically our needs are not met very well at all. And so we grow up thinking, I have to be independent just to survive. And, you know, our culture, right, Corey, celebrates independence, especially Mm -hmm. in men. You know, we tell men this is a really good thing. But then in relationship, when we need that flexibility to be interdependent, we don't know how to do that, you know, because look at my very survival meant be independent, don't need anybody, don't tell anybody about my inner world. You know, that's dangerous because I, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter. So I keep it all inside. And so oftentimes anxiously attached people kind of marry avoidantly attached people, even when they're secure, Even when they're, they come from good backgrounds, there's just a little bit of teeter totter. One's a little bit more of the other. Right. So, um, yeah. And that's, what's so fascinating, uh, to me is we meet and fall in love with people that if I look at it objectively, they make sense, not Mm -hmm. because they make it easy though. Right. Right. Because it, it's going to reveal some things in me. It's going to challenge some things in me. It's going to, you know, yeah. a system, a system oftentimes makes sense if you can look back at it with some objectivity, yeah. right? We, we marry someone, I think, that gives us a second chance. Like, Got it. how am I going to work out the things in my life that need working out yeah. o- overall? I mean, I... Th- so, so when you're talking about um, a recognition of a pattern that you may have, you know, what, what it is yep. that triggers in you and how mm-hmm. that manifests itself... Because obviously, if we're talking to an audience of people that uh, pretty much got this under under wraps, because it's sixty percent of the population you're describing is you know raised fairly secure, and so their their range is wider in handling these things. That well, little moment in between trigger and response is longer. They have they right. have more. So what do we what do you do when you have the smaller okay. moment though? When you're one of those <laughs> how, people, how, how do we, we enlarge that moment? Right. I mean, exactly. first of all. First of all, what we need to do is get a hold of kind of our own natural defense style. You know, so I'm anxiously attached, so I'm probably going to pursue, I'm going to push. And you know what? In other relationships, we do slightly other things. You know, so this isn't, this defense style is not 
solid for every relationship. Maybe in our work relationships, we're totally pusher, driver, pursuers, but in our emotional attack, you know, most primarily, most primarily attached relationship, we're an avoider. Okay. You know, when, when the heat comes up, you know, we shut down or maybe, you know, I'm, you know, I run a company and, you know, I'm pretty even handed, you know, I don't feel anxious, but I get to call all the shots too. Right. And so, but at home, that anxiety may start up in me and I'll be, you know, more critical, pushing a little bit harder because of these inner needs. So how do we, first, what we need to do is, okay, which style am I more of? Right. And which style am I more of in which cycle? So emotionally, maybe I push sexually. I'm more withdraw. My partner, you know, this is typical. Um, my partner maybe pushes more sexually, but withdraws more emotionally. I will say for all of those women out there like me, I'm actually the pursuer in both cycles. So I pursue both emotionally and sexually, and I'm married to a person who withdraws more emotionally and sexually. Fortunately, that doesn't mean being a sexual withdrawer doesn't mean you don't like sex. Right. It also doesn't mean you're not attracted to your partner. Right. It it can mean a number of things. Right. Um, I think it can mean. Um, oftentimes, I think in, um, you know, for for many women who are sexual withdrawers, there are good reasons. You know, they the primary one is they don't feel emotionally connected to their partner. But then, when you think about it then they're not very sexual. So they destabilize their male partner emotionally. He tries to get stable in the way that is most familiar to him sexually, which doesn't work. And that is a great big knot. She's getting pushed in a way that she can't respond to because she's not connected emotionally. But her lack of being able to respond destabilizes him emotionally. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we got to figure this out. The conversation with Lori continues in the extended content where we dive into some of the practical examples of an exchange between a husband and wife and the different states that we can be in. So if you're not a member, smr.fm slash academy. Well, Lori, thank you so much. How can people find you? Just so that way okay, uh, well, more, more I am, of your work can be known. Thank you. I am uh, a podcaster too, and that's Foreplay, Couples, and Sex Therapy. Um, so anywhere you find podcasts, I'd love for you to come and listen to us. Uh, I'm with a partner, George Fowler, there, and I'm kind of everywhere. I blog for Psychology Today. I wrote a book called Wanting Sex Again, and I do a lot of teaching around the world. So Perfect. I teach a lot of therapists and do a little bit of, I do a women's retreat too in the fall. So that's fun. We spend a whole weekend with women kind of getting in touch with all their erotic stuff. So that might be fun. Well, Lori, thank you so much. I'll put all that information in the show notes for those that are um, listening all the way through uh, because it's worth uh, availing yourself to resources that are helping and you're among them. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Corey. It was good to reconnect. So this year, along with the change back to Sexy Marriage Radio, one of the things I've been trying to really get uh, a a focus on is a lot more collaboration among other podcasters and Mm -hmm. colleagues. And so it's a whole lot of fun to Mm -hmm. uh, be on her show, her be on our show. Uh, it's such because, man, we've been doing this for 12 years. There's a lot of people out there that have been doing it just shortly un- lower than that or Less time, some yeah. even longer than mm-hmm. this. And I love the fact that there can be a fellowship of people out there all aimed at just trying to 
help marriages mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. Because that's relationships, that's families, that's just the entire community. Absolutely. So if we left something undone, uh, please let us know. 214-702-9565. Add your voice to the conversation. Uh, you can also let us know via email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Transcripts are available on each of the episode's pages at smr.fm, as well as all the advertisers' deals and discounts codes. You can find them there as well. So however you took a little bit of time out to spend with us, thanks, and we'll see you next time.